0: Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, we are going to be going over the Marvel Comics graphic novel, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe. This is one of my favorite comics of all time. It has heart, it has personality, and it's just wonderful. This book is a great all-ages read that I think introduces the Marvel Universe in a very interesting way. I will be talking with my buddy Jack, who hosts one of my favorite podcasts, The Rec Center. So, you're going to want to go check them out after this. As always, there are plenty of spoilers ahead for the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Um, Also, unfortunately, I didn't set up the microphones correctly, so this is all recorded on my laptop's audio. So, this definitely isn't the best sound quality we've ever had, and we've tried to salvage it as best as we can. But remember, I am still in a learning curve, so have some patience with me. I think the interview and in actually this episode is really great, so stick around and hear what we have to say about this awesome story. So here we're going to hop into the summary of The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe. So here is where the spoilers start. Doreen Green is a computer science student, friend to squirrels and humans alike, and superhero. She is also part squirrel and part girl. Doreen is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Her powers include the proportional speed and strength of squirrels and the ability to talk to squirrels. As the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Doreen goes to school to study computer science with all of her friends who also become different heroes. Together, they are Koi Boy, Chipmunk Hunk, and Tippy Toe, Doreen's pet squirrel. One day at school, Doreen receives a call from Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. Tony called Doreen to ask if she could convince some squirrels to participate in testing for a new piece of tech that he has. Doreen refuses because squirrels are her friends, not test experiments. During the meeting, there's an explosion, and we find out that the High Evolutionary sent his goons to Stark Tower. During the brawl, Squirrel Girl gets knocked into Stark's mysterious machine. It turns on, and the unbeatable Squirrel Girl gets cloned. Stark's tech was a cloning machine. With double the proportionate strength and speed of a squirrel, the High Evolutionary's goons didn't stand a chance against two Squirrel Girls. Now, Doreen and her duplicate are going to fight crime and do schoolwork, and everything will be great until about three days later. Duplicate Doreen adopts the name Aileen, Aileen is more aggressive than Doreen. They team up together and create an initiative called the Squirrel Avengers Initiative. Instead of sending humanitarian aid, they will send Squirrelitarian Aid. The plan includes benefits to public health, environmental protection, waste disposal, and more. On their walk home, all of the friends see a dead squirrel in the street. This is always a hard sight for Doreen. This is the first time that Aileen has actually ever seen one. Aileen loses it. Why do they keep letting this happen? Why do squirrels have shortened lifespans based on the needs of people? Aileen goes off and needs some time by herself. By the time the team becomes reunited with Aileen, she has come up with a new plan. The Squirrel Adventures Initiative Mark 2. This time, instead of squirrels trying to help humans, humans should be helping squirrels. All of the crises and dangers that the world has, has been caused by humans, never even one time by squirrels. Humans are the problem. Aileen sets her plan into motion by stealing Tony's duplicating machine. She is putting squirrels through it in order to create a squirrel army. Doreen, understandably, can't let this happen, but Aileen orders her new squirrel army to attack Doreen. Doreen survives the attack, but... She needs some time to recuperate. In order to take down the new global threat that is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, the Avengers take the case. When they return to Aileen's hider to take her out, they realize that it's been booby-trapped. Aileen knows that she can't take down all of the Avengers at once. But, if she were to take out each Avenger one at a time and level up her abilities in order to take down the others, she can totally defeat them. And, That's exactly what she does. By the end of her initial battle, she's able to armor herself with Black Widow's Gauntlets, Iron Man's Blasters, and Hawkeye's Arrows. Using these tools, she's able to take out other characters. Black Widow's Gauntlets take out Spider-Man, Captain America's Shield takes out Black Cat. Eventually, she's able to take down Magneto by throwing Ben Grimm, the Thing, at him. Eventually, Aileen has taken out all of the Marvel Universe. The only person that stands in her way is Doreen. After an intense battle, Aileen offers Doreen the ultimatum to walk away. If Doreen doesn't, Aileen will send Tippy Toe to the moon. In order to save her best squirrel friend, Doreen lunges at Aileen and transport herself to the moon. Aileen said it was unintentional. It was supposed to be a bluff. Now, there's no way to save Doreen in time. With only moments to spare, Tippy hops in Iron Man's Gauntlet and races towards Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, which Aileen has been unworthy to yield. Tippi manages to use Iron Man's Gauntlet to throw it into space next to Doreen's hand. Aileen mourns the accidental loss of her other. Aileen promises to live up to Doreen's memory by building a squirrel Utopia. But then appears Doreen, wielding Mjolnir and decked out in Asgardian garb, declaring NUTS TO THAT to Aileen's plan. Behind Doreen is every superhero that Aileen defeated, ready to take up arms all at once. Aileen becomes overwhelmed by the battle, and they eventually win. Doreen realizes that the one being who saved her isn't there. Where's Tippy? In one of the most heartwarming scenes, Doreen asks for the help of every Doctor in the Marvel Universe to help Tippy make a recovery after being hurt in the journey to get Mjolnir to Doreen. She says to Tippy, You've got the Earth's mightiest doctors on the case. Weeks later, Earth is back to normal. Tony apologizes for his machine's malfunctions by giving everyone on the planet an action figure that provides free Wi Fi and 20 terabytes of memory. Aileen, who is in prison, offers one last option for what to do with her. She asks Doreen to send her and all of her squirrel friends to the Negative Zone. There, she could build the squirrel utopia that she's always wanted to. Tony and the powers that be decide that this solution could be the most beneficial. In her last words to Aileen as they send her off, Doreen says, You be unbeatable. Jack, welcome to the Camerage Comics Podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, Jack was always going to be one of the first people that we had on the podcast. I knew because I have very few friends that are like into geek. You culture. have
1: very few friends? I'm oh like, <laughs>
0: Dude. I'm immensely unpopular. Don't tell about that
1: on your podcast. You're supposed to be the captain of this shit. Just make yourself sound way cooler than you actually are.
0: I don't have a lot of friends that are into geek culture, but, um, so, yeah. When I meet someone who is into it, I'm like, all right, let's freaking go. And so literally, I don't know if you remember when we met, but the, the, when I realized you and I would be friends is when you were talking about the Arrow season three mid-season finale. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, like, oh man, this guy's sick, and he thinks Oliver Queen is dead right now because him and Ra's al Ghul just had a freaking fight to the death.
1: Yep. In hindsight, not a great season of the show, but... Well, We'd, Not
0: after season two, especially. I mean,
1: seriously, the best season of the show. It never really recovered after that.
0: I'm a season five fan, but that's I, li- really... I. I like season five actually. My like, Prometheus, come on. Oof. I'm like, Adrian Chase, nice work. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, going forward, uh, will you just tell us about your relationship with I don't know, like geek culture, pop culture? Like, obviously, you are so enthusiastic about it. You even have your own platform where you talk about it. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like I. Um... I kind of got into comic books and, like, superhero stuff around the time Avengers came out. That's when I, like, really got into yeah. it. Like, I had I – had, I was a fan of, like, superhero stuff before. That. like, I watched, like, the Batman movies and I watched – I watched, like, all the Marvel movies, like, as they came out. Like, Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Captain America, blah, blah, blah. But I think when the Avengers came out and I saw it in theaters yeah. and, like, how revolutionary that was for the time as, like, the first big, like, success story of that kind of movie – uh, I knew, like, at that moment, I was like, okay, I want to be, I want to be, this is, like, everything to me. <laughs> like, this this is, this is insane. And I want to, it made me, it gave me such, like, a fervor and such, like, an eagerness to get more into that stuff. To where after that I started, you know, I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to know the long history behind why these characters came together and especially seeing where they were going, like, yeah. things like, teasing, like, the Winter Soldier and, like, you know, oh, the, yeah. next move, the next American movie. was, like, wow, I want to know that story. I want to know all that stuff, like, before I see it on the big screen so I can know that history behind it. It can be even more satisfying.
2: Um,
1: so I think that was, yeah, that was, like, the, the linchpin moment for me of when I really started getting into that stuff um, as, like, a huge part of my life.
0: Yeah, no, and – I think that movie, and I guess I really with with the dawn of Avengers, the first one, the Avengers one, if you will, uh, that was kind of a time where it also signaled to everyone else that this is cool. Yeah. You know, you are allowed to be a vocal fan about this, mm-hmm. and it is it now a phenomenon globally. And that wasn't always the case. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for, especially for it to be like for them to pull off this like yeah. extent, this like shared universe kind of thing and for it to be not only, like, successful, but to be really good, uh, something that most every franchise has failed to do since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, like, you, I feel like even then, I mean, looking back now, like, you know, the ten years later or whatever, and seeing what it has become, uh, it was so, I'm so glad I got on board at that point, and I've gotten to experience, like, the the once-in-a-lifetime moment like this is our Star Wars kind of thing. Oh, absolutely! It's so, Like Star Wars in like the seventies and eighties, like that that linchpin like generational moment. Then, like we were living now, and we're still living, but like I mean, there was kind of like some sort of closure with Endgame, but um, yeah, like it's like it, it's this once in a lifetime phenomenon. And I'm, I'm so glad I got to jump on board when I did.
0: Yeah, and like also within that, that I'm very much a. Co- uh, a context-driven person, and so having not only this universe, you know, this really successful execution of comic book culture in Avengers One, and now through Endgame, mm-hmm. it's I'm very much context-driven. So I, in the same way that you're talking about, I was very driven towards okay, now I got to pick up way more comics yeah. because I love this stuff. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I've never really been. I was never really a reader growing up. Like I read stuff for school, and that was kind of. I read, like, a book here and there, but that's kind of, like, the extent of it for me. Um, but after watching Avengers, it kind of, like... And after, like, my world exploding into comics after that, and, like my love for it, uh, it was next, like, to the animated shows that I had grown up watching, yeah. but kind of didn't appreciate at the time, like Justice League or Justice League Unlimited oh, or, or Batman the Animated Series. Like, yeah. that stuff, which is, like, it's, like, this gradual process from, like, the movies that I loved that, like, awakened things for me to diving deep into these animated shows, which like, you know, paid homage and respect to so many different, like, comic book stories and storylines oh, and yeah. like that, and then from there, getting into the comics, I mean, like, wow, like, getting, it's, like, a level deeper each time, it's like, okay, I started this amazing surface thing, and then I get to the next level, which is, like, these animated shows that, like, have such rich stories in them, and it's like, okay, now I'm going to a deeper level to where there are, you know, a hundred years of comic books, all with, ve- like, I mean, not a hundred years, maybe, like, eight, seven, eight. Well, around
0: <laughs> 80 years of that,
1: maybe, yeah, so. around seventy, eighty years. Um, there are so many years of vast stories that all, you know, found their found their footing in these movies now that I'm seeing, and I get to experience that now in so many different ways uh, with reading comic books. So it was kind of like something that not only was fun for me to dive into, but it kind of like helped me become a reader. Yeah, like later in
0: life. Yeah, no, and it's it's so rewarding now to be like. It's it's it, it's mutually rewarding to be a fan of the source material and then see something like Endgame happen, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm I'm looking for ways to kind of validate this medium that I'm interested in. Yeah. While it is cool to be a comic book fan, it's also kind of it's difficult to explain to people. Or like, uh, oh yeah, no, I, I was I spent all day reading, and they're like, what well, would you read? And I'm like, so much Batman, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, oh no, you weren't really reading, and I'm like. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what did you do today? They're like, I was t- on Tinder. And I'm like, get get out of here! I'm like, you didn't even try to read anything. Exactly. <laughs> but might um, well, be on Tinder when you could read about Catwoman? I'm like, oh my gosh! Literally, actually, just read Catwoman yesterday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I <laughs> oh, know, man. God.
0: Oh my gosh. Anyways, um, you and I were talking to you, and a, a, a par- with with comic book culture being as um like. Intrusive as it is, or just like as popular as it is, how do you feel about um, like, Jack? You're a sneakerhead, and mm-hmm. I am not necessarily a sneakerhead, but I'm like a fan of the culture. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, there's probably parts of me that are just wired to be collectability. You know, mm-hmm. just that's what my framework is. And, yeah. And so y- we 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 joke and talk about the Air Jordan origin stories, the yeah, Jordan yeah. One origin stories, and How do you think that comic book culture and, like, pop culture has been influenced by um, this medium that we love?
1: Yeah, I think – well, I mean, I think that pop culture now is comic book culture. Yeah. Like, especially, like, with, you know, the biggest movies that come out every single year are comic book movies. Yeah. And it's it's something that is so ingrained in the cultural zeitgeist now to where, you know, maybe in the 80s or 90s, it was kind of more of a niche thing to where – you know, people watched the Batman movie. You know, like the first Michael Keaton movie in 1989. Oh and it's like, but like other than that, people didn't think about comic books unless you were a reader, unless you were super into these things. But now it's like, you know, it's 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 bleeding into every aspect of our culture, whether it's you know news, like where there's specific news sites and news, you know, machines all like all surrounding comic book news and comic movie news and comic TV news. Like it's hard to go a day without seeing something in media that has to pertain to comic books and popular culture whether it's a casting of a new star yeah. um, or some sort of story leak or some sort of you know release date thing or some sort of new storyline kind of thing that's coming out and 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 naturally it's made its way into fashion which I think is super interesting I'm not really I wouldn't consider myself like any I love sneakers and I collect sneakers and I sell them so like that but I wouldn't consider myself like a a f- expert on fashion or like fashion culture or anything, um, but it's it's interesting because it's not like these things are being forced. Um, like, I've, I've there's been like you know collaborations with like different shoes, you know, for different superheroes, stuff like that in the past. Yeah. Like, Vans has done a lot of stuff like that, and they haven't really interested me personally. Um, but I think for Jordan, which I collect Jordans, I love Jordans, like, I think for something like that, with The origin story with Miles Morales and and Into the Spider-Verse, like, it was such a natural pairing, Mm -hmm. and it's something that, for that character, like, not only the shoes are cool, like, the shoes look cool, yeah, but for that character, it totally makes sense as to why uh, those shoes for that character were made at the time they were, and, like, why that was such an important part of his character, and, like, and what... And then what what makes the viewer like understand him more? You mm-hmm. know, it's like oh, like we get it helps understand who Miles is like a little bit more, and seeing what the kind of things he's into and what inspires him, and, like you know, like Michael Jordan. Like I, I watched like the Last Dance documentary, great documentary. It's on yeah. Netflix now. Like Michael Jordan was a superhero, like for the entire world right. in the eighties, in the eighties and nineties, and into the two thousands as well. It's like he was probably the biggest figure one of the biggest figures in general in the entire world at that time and still is today and it's like for someone like Miles, like that character, for it would make perfect sense that he would be inspired to be a hero by looking at someone like Michael Jordan. And for that to make its way subtly into his fashion, that you know, him wearing Jordans every day is a big part of his character and and even as a hero, him wearing Jordans with a spider suit, like that I feel like it's a perfect mesh to where It's not like I feel – I didn't feel like looking at those shoes like, oh, you know, Jordan Brand's trying to just capitalize on some sort of popular IP. It's like, no, like, this is a – this is a – looking at a larger cultural context to where, you know, the heroes that inspire us were inspired by the heroes that we had in real life. Yeah. Someone like Michael Jordan to where it's like – it's such a funny and weird and interesting, like, kind of cycle and circle. Uh, And I think it's super cool to see that, you know, that people get the head – People not only got to see that in a character, but they got to buy that and experience that in real life, and you know, wear a part of that themselves.
0: Yeah, and it's it's cool to see uh, characters that you know we we take in as a comic book culture participate in pop culture because mm-hmm. you know, in some weird way, it validates our interests. Exactly. Know? Yeah. When our interests validate one another, it's it's a very special feeling, and I think that's what a lot of people are looking for in their fandom too. And so to see a young African American male participate in sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. Something that has been primarily, um, I guess enthusiastically invited into uh young African male culture like sneakers. Mm-hmm. It's um very special to see like, oh wow, we I we feel see we feel heard, and especially too just in, in another note. Um that's sto- those sneakers being the Air Jordan Chicago. They, they look, they, they're the Air Jordan ones with like a blue sole and a blue tongue. <laughs> Otherwise, it's the same sneaker, you yeah. know? And I'm like, oh, that's so cool because my, I guess Miles can be our Michael Jordan because they took one of the most popular characters in comic books. Yeah. You know what I mean? They took Spider-Man. Like, he's top three, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and, and it's fitting because they take, like, they really take the most iconic sneaker of all time. Yeah. And they give it its own twist that makes it completely unique to itself, but still kind of pays off that, that nostalgic feeling we have for that character and what it stands for. And at the same time, Miles Morales is the embodiment of that to where he is Spider-Man. He is 100% Spider-Man yeah. in the sense that he is, the Sp- he is Spider-Man that we know. Like, we know Spider-Man. We know what that character is about. But he's also completely Miles Morales and completely unique to himself to where it's that. It's that it, it's that callback on something that is classic and something that is true and something that is you know stood the test of time, and it's probably one of the best things ever, and it is also completely unique to itself and is amazing in its own way, which I feel like is exactly what Miles Morales is as a character.
0: Absolutely, well, awesome. That was a great little tangent. But now going into the story that we read and the character that we read, how did you feel about? The unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. Okay, so this is the first time I've actually read any Squirrel Girl. Yeah, like my only. Like, yeah. Did you know who
1: this was? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, so you heard of the character before? Yeah, or? yeah. I, cause I, I watch Ultimate Spider-Man.
2: Uh, great show. Great
1: show. Everybody watched Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man on <like> Disney Plus. <laughs> Drake Bell a great Spider-Man. I still yeah. stand by that. Um, and and they actually do some Ultimate Spider-Man stuff on that, like Miles Morales stuff on that show too with Donald Glover. Literally, the inspiration for
0: Miles Morales it voices him on the show. It's perfect. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's amazing. Um, but that show ha- does some squirrel stuff on it. And that was my first introduction to the character. Um, but since then, I've known about the character because like, they talked about doing a TV show uh, over the past few years. Or like maybe having her show up in the movies or doing her own movie. It's kind of up in the air about what they're actually planning to do with the character. Um, people say Anna Kendrick was possibly going to play. She School wanted to. By, yeah. Which I feel like would be amazing, yeah. Um, but yeah. So I didn't really know a lot about Squirrel Girl in the sense that I'd never read any comics about her, but I did know like the gist of the character that she's basically like kind of like Spider Man ish kind of story. But with you know,
0: squirrels. You know, it's actually really crazy. Is her creator is Steve Ditko, who did the first you know thirty three issues of Spider Man, mm-hmm. like Peter Parker like co creator with Stan Lee. He's the original Spider Man <clears throat> artist, and so. When you look at his repertoire of characters, it's like a lot of noir, the question, Hawk and Dove, all these characters, and then it's like, oh boom, Squirrel Girl all characters. (laughs) And I'm like, this I don't know this character necessarily works outside of the context that we read in this story. Yeah. Yeah, like I
1: I totally I didn't know about the Steve Ditko thing, um that he like created the character. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy, yeah. I'm like, that's
0: a fun fact.
1: Yeah, and it's like but I I totally see and it's even fun watching in this comic her interact with Spider-Man and have, like, some, like, run-ins with him to where it's like, I totally see, like, the homage or the inspiration of, like, she's a Spider-Man-esque kind of character to where oh, yeah. it's like, you know, she's endearing and she's fun and, like, she is bright and, like, she get, and she's hopeful, but, like, she also, you know, steps up to the plate when she needs to and, like, can be taken seriously to where it's like, It's the stories like can be dumb and fun, but they're also like trying to like say something as well.
0: Yeah, well, I I think I I think we got an other tangent by going back to the original question. Did Mm. Did you like the story? I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, sorry, my bad. No,
0: I I interrupted. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: was. It was super fun. Um, I, you know, it was definitely. I got some flavors of Deadpool, some flavors of Spider Man, and. Just like other quirky kind of stuff in the comic. Um, but I think it all completely worked for me.
0: And I really had a good time with it. Good, good, good. Did you have like a favorite moment?
1: Yes, yeah, so my favorite moment, I, I actually have it up here looking at it. Um, so my favorite moment of the comic is when, I, I mean, there were a lot of good moments. Um, it's a really great book. It's a really great book. But one of my favorite aspects of the book was the narrator like interjecting to the audience. At and the, the end, l- of, every the end of the little footnotes on the bottom. Uh, like totally breaking the fourth wall kind yeah, of thing. Like absolutely. letting us know the writer is definitely in on it, on the story. Yeah. Um but so that's probably one of my favorite aspects of the book, like her just putting her own commentary and joking about things, like to us, the the reader. Um but one of my favorite scenes in the book, uh was when they're doing like a flat like uh Anel or An Elaine? Aileen? Aileen. Aileen, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Aileen, yeah. But Alien is uh, like recounting like the story when they're at her warehouse, like when she's making more squirrels, and she's talking about the Iron Man scene when the squirrels are inhabiting the Iron Man series. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and he's like in a meeting, and he's like, "Oh, the Avengers need me," and he's like smashes out the window, and Pepper's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Well, bye," and she's like, "Dang it to me!" Like every time you do this. And and the author puts a little footnote at the bottom to where she's like, see, this is what you get for cultivating a personality in which you can be replaced by a squirrels in a robot suit and nobody would ever notice. If you are an unpredictable, egocentric, unreasonably rich reader who has become ins- insulated to all consequences of their actions, take heed. <laughs>
2: and I, was, I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, the most funny and, like, complete takedown of Iron Man as a character. Which my favorite thing about this book is, I think it totally gets the characters, like that it's talking about. Like even if, like in small doses, like if we see a character for like a, a couple panels, like we you see that the author gets the characters that they're dealing with. Like you know, there may be more to Iron Man than this book leads on, but it definitely is totally fair in its treatment of him yeah. as a character, and it and it just cracks me up. So that's probably my favorite scene of the book. Just that little takedown by the author in the end, where it's like, well, at, due to Iron Man's behavior in the comics over the years, this is completely reasonable for Pepper to believe this or buy this. like.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and um, when I was thinking about the story and, like, what uh, Iron... Or, like, the depiction of the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. you know? Um, did you, I, I really thought that all of them were actually pretty accurate depictions. Yeah. But also made it completely accessible. Mm-hmm. It, it, the story is totally accessible to new readers if they want, you know what I mean? Because yeah. this is actually one of the first Marvel books I picked up. You know, I read E.T. Mm-hmm. for, like, ten years solid, and now, probably within the last five, I started get, to get into Marvel. Yeah. And so this is one of the first ones I picked up, and I'm like, ooh, I kind of understand the base levels of all these characters based on you know what what i already know about them and then what what they're showing is i think true depictions of it you know
1: yeah yeah my favorite i think one of my other favorite things about the book is that it kind of like touches on every like like nothing's retconned in this book from the marvel universe like everything that's kind of happened in the marvel universe has kind of happened in this story it feels like yeah like civil war has happened you know, uh, Sam Wilson is Captain America.
2: Mm.
1: Like all these different things that have that, like readers of, com- like, of like Marvel comics will know that are like major events, are are just like kind of like in the universe. Like nothing's kind of like retconned or like not happening anymore. So, and and especially like 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 Tony at, like, at times like references like Civil War and like fighting with Captain America to where like uh, Ali or Alain
0: you yeah, yeah, Aileen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Aileen like throws like Captain America's shield at him when she like turns on yeah, them, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, Cap, Cap, and I have fought before. Like, I'm pretty fine with that, actually." Yeah. To where it's like it's totally accessible in that sense. To where it's like it's it's banking on these things that are pretty well known about Marvel comics over the years. Mm-hmm. To where you don't have to. Like do any specific reading beforehand to really enjoy the story? Yeah, because one, it kind of explains things for you as it's happening, or why if something's important, like the author, the know, be like, oh, pay attention to that, like that's kind of important, mm-hmm. or it'll it'll spell things out for you. Um, and it and like the the big like linchpins of Marvel that most people or lay like lay readers will know, yeah, are kind of in this story in the background.
0: Yeah, like it references, you know, the clon- like one of the most. Spider Man references. Yeah, yeah Ben is, Riley. Yeah, is is exactly like when she gets a clone. One of the first people she sees is Spider Man, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you might end up having a clone saga." Obviously, one of the most Spider Man storylines. It's like, oh, it's rewarding to be a reader that you know a new reader that could be like kind of silly Spider Man, but it's also like if you know, then you know, and you're in on the joke, which is super cool about yeah this this story that you know it bounces its accessibility with um you know it's. It's like Easter eggs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because I, I don't really read a lot of Marvel comics. Um, like, I've read some big storylines. Like, I've read Civil War. I read some House of M stuff. I read uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and, like, other things over the years. You're I read some Civil Essentials, War. Yeah. yeah, I read some, uh, Civil War too, but I wasn't
0: really into it. So. Yeah, you're not the only one. Like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but but I've read, like, Infinity Gauntlet and stuff like that. So, like, I... I know, like, the big linchpins of Marvel. Yeah. I, I like the Marvel comic universe, at least. So, I, there wasn't a time in this book where I didn't feel like I knew what was going on. Um, except for maybe the Johnny Fishlips. <laughs> 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 of
0: all characters to make an actual appearance in the story, Johnny Fishlips.
1: Yeah, which is, like, a joke in the story. And, yeah. the, and the author, like, completely, like, walks you through that, why it's funny. So, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there wasn't a part of this book where that felt inaccessible to me. Yeah, um, and I really I got got I kind of got to like sit back and just enjoy the story for what it was, uh, because of that. Um, to where Marvel and then, I mean DC does this too. It's where they're constantly retconning things and storylines are over and new storylines happening. It's it's really hard to keep up, and it's really hard to know what to read and what not to read. What, what's canon anymore and what's not canon. To where the author at, at numerous times in the story is like, oh, this is canon now. I'm making this canon. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really
2: fun,
0: and that's yeah. and that's you know. What I like about this being, you know, an all-ages accessible book for all the fans, you know, because we want – I really just want this medium to be accessible to people because mm-hmm. one of the most intimidating things about going into any of these really DC and Marvel is the 80 years of continuity that they feel like they have to know with these characters. Yeah. And like, that's what I just love about this story stories, that they, you know, don't have to know that. Yeah. And so uh, – but also, you are rewarded in little ways that I- if you do. Totally, um, my favorite moment actually was the thing one of the things I like about this book is that it's it has a lot of heart, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think Doreen as a protagonist is like very i don't think she's dumb, I just think she's silly, and yeah, like, I like that I like, yeah. I like that difference, you know she, yeah, she never made any dumb decisions because mm-hmm. all those were like aileen who's like frankly evil twin, yeah, but um i I, I liked her and. Going back to my favorite moment was when she kind of stopped everything that she was doing with after she beat Aileen. She literally has a double-page spread of her trying to save her best friend, Tippy Toe. She gets <laughs> every Marvel Universe hero, Dr. Strange, everyone, <laughs> trying to help and saving her little squirrel friend. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's so much heart there, there's so much love. And it's like, yeah. while the story is silly, it doesn't lose its integrity at all.
1: Yeah. You know? And it doesn't lose, like... It doesn't make it,
2: um,
1: it doesn't make it like not impactful in any way and it doesn't make it seem like there are actual stakes like happening um, you know it's like I think like I mean this is kind of unrelated but it's how I feel about like Superman stuff to yeah. where it's like you know Superman is a pretty endearing character but people are like oh like you know had to make it dark he's not relatable or like you know he's too powerful so like you had to fight make it really like harsh or like you know dull to make it or like like harsh or dark to make it seem interesting, it's like, or make it feel like there's actual stakes or like there's a point to it. It's like, this story is completely so silly and it is so funny at so many different times. But, like, I felt like it was still being told for a reason and I felt like I I still was invested in it in a way I was like, I, no, I I genuinely am rooting for her and I am sympathizing with her and I want to see her succeed uh, in this story that she's in. And it's like, it kind of pushes back its ideas. Like, no, something can be endearing and fun and kind, but still be a really good story and be really interesting and be compelling,
0: you know? Yeah, and that's and I really think, like, this is probably one of my mainstays in Marvel continuity. Like, I'm really glad this is one of the first books I picked up when I'm mm-hmm. trying to understand this universe because, like, while the stakes are pretty ground-level, which, you know, is a great for an entry-level reader, Yeah. Um, while they're ground-level, they're also, like, real, and mm-hmm. I felt like everything was, like, palpable, and like, this could really happen, I thought all the justifications were really well done, you know what I mean? Yeah. I understood where every character, like, was coming from, who had a stake in this. this. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that was, and it, it, it goes back to, uh, it's digestible, and she loves her little squirrel friend, <laughs> and she saved it, and I'm like, wow, she's, you know, part squirrel, part girl, which yeah. is the funny part, but it's like, Oh, I care about these squirrel friends, which became a, a motivation for her. It became a motivation mm-hmm. for Aileen. That's why a- Aileen turned. You know, yeah. She saw that squirrels are being mistreated by humanity, and so she's like, "When I'm balancing these this duality of myself, like I am part squirrel, and so I'm gonna defend these creatures. But why, yeah. why do these creatures need to save humans? Yeah. How come humans can't save them? And I'm like, well, obviously, as only being mostly human. <laughs> 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 like, I don't. I don't uh, have to make that choice. Yeah, I understood her motivation for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would never side with her necessarily, but like, wow, that does make sense for a character who freaking loves squirrels. You know, to the point where she like names her, gives herself, or has the abilities of one. You know, totally. So yeah, <laughs> I really was in. I I really liked that. Um, my next question is, how did uh? Obviously, we're two males talking about a female protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about Doreen Green, just in general?
1: Yeah, I I really liked her as a character. I think it took me a little bit, since this is my first time reading her, it took me a little while to understand her or warm up to her and kind of, like, understand what, like, how she views the world kind of thing. and um but I think like, not, it's, it doesn't take too long in the story to kind of understand those things or kind of have those questions answered um, to where it's not lost... It's not lost on her, like, the kind of pond that she's playing in, that she's a very little fish in it, and that she is even at times, like, maybe considered not as important as the other heroes. Like, she has this, like... She has this back and forth with Iron Man earlier in the story about, like, men chatting on Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not, you know... It's it's clear the relationship there to where, you know, he's Iron Man, and he's mm-hmm. nice, but he's, like, kind of sarcastic, and, like, you know, it's not lost on him that he's an Avenger and that he's, like, this much higher level, you know, person or character, and, like, they chat on Twitter, but, like, that's, you know, they're not on the same level kind of thing. He
0: feels like he's doing her a favor. Yeah, like, everyone. you're like, oh, you
1: can come, you know, you I'll let you help me out with this thing as a test subject, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and- you know. <laughs> Um, I think yeah. that
0: it's go- it's always good to have some arrogance when it comes to Tony Stark.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't have to be, you know, the nicest guy in the room. Yeah. He's Tony Stark.
0: Yeah. Did you, so, like, then, how did or in what way did she grow on you in the story? You know.
1: Yeah, I think just seeing her, you know, again, it, it comes back to the endearing nature of her to where I, you you generally genuinely see in the story that you know she wants things to be better and she wants to do good and. She's well aware that, you know, her superpowers may not be the most, you know, the sexiest in the room or like the coolest in the room. And she may not have the most clout amongst other heroes. Um, but she still has a lot to offer. And she still has something that's completely unique to herself as a superhero. And I mean, say what you want about Squirrel Girl, she is incredibly unique. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like compared to any other heroes, like, and it's funny, like, seeing her See, again, like, seeing her versus the Avengers, like, or, like, a lead it gets the Avengers, like, how unique that, like, how unique Skrullbill is in herself, like, in her experiences, how she sees the world, even if it's from, like, the darker clone version of her, or the good version of her, um, I think that there is, it's, it's, it was interesting to see, and fun to see, like, her come into her own, like, say, like, no, I'm not, like, any of the other Avengers, I'm not the same kind of hero as them, I don't really fit in that kind of mold as like a classic hero that people usually gravitate towards but my unique style of fighting crime and and helping people and solving problems whether it's as dorina scroll or as Doreen as a computer science student yeah you know her just kind of like hustling and like doing her thing and like and being pa- equally passionate about like the smaller things in life that she's working on like her project with her friends and yeah. like doing homework yeah and like fighting crime it's like you know not every person has to be the one to fight the high evolutionary, right? Like there is there is complete value in Squirrel Girl just being Squirrel Girl, and the story shows that to where Iron Man was about to ruin the world and did kind of ruin the world with still a device he didn't understand the high evolutionary and a Squirrel Girl was one that to bring it back to ground level. It's like no, like this is how we solve this problem.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know? and I thought um, the way that the way they they depicted her as a real person is another thing that I just applaud in this story, mm-hmm. is that she is a, she's a proud computer science student who is in this comic, you know, speaking on basic trigonometry, yeah. she's doing, she's writing code, she's yeah. doing all these things, and eventually those kind of end up being a part of the story. I love that, because yeah. I'm just like, number one, you're validating education, which all mediums should be doing, you mm-hmm. I mean, we don't need to knock People for trying to educate themselves or yeah. studying, I'm like that's very cool. I really like how um, she, going back to she wasn't dumb, you mm-hmm. know? she wasn't she was just silly, and like yeah. I'm totally okay with that because I think this character does, does have integrity, and the way that she fits in her world works totally. You know, and for for all means and purposes of the story, I think they made it incredibly like palpable that she could have beat up the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, the alien, the way she plans it out is, man, I'm not going to go in and take all the Avengers at once. I know I'll lose. Yeah. No, but if I am able to fight this person with this thing and mm-hmm. then take out Magneto with the thing from the Fantastic Four, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Actually, I found this all really digestible and reasonable, and I'm like, wow, that actually really would work.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and I think, like, um, I love that, that that silly doesn't equal dumb.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it's like you, whether it's Doreen or Alien, it's like they are both completely smart and capable in their own way to do exactly what they want to do. To where it's like either Alien, like, you know, having this intricate plan to take out the Avengers and the villains and, like, using the resources she has available to her, including Deadpool's villain ranking <laughs> cards, which I love. They're that was like so probably cool. my second favorite part of the story. Um, and, like, them breaking the fourth wall, like, pretty dumb of Deadpool to make these cards, huh? Pretty convenient. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it is pretty convenient. <laughs> but, um, which I love. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but, you know, like, Aileen, in her plan, and her execution, even if it's misguided, like, in her in her reasoning, um, or her motivation to do so, it seems completely competent and capable. And it, it it's not, like, some, like, weird or, like, ex machina like story device that like makes her able to like be the Avengers like oh yeah like because of this thing that the author inserted that's the only reason she was able to do it it's like no like it's just Aileen being Squirrel Girl and being really smart and capable and finding ways to legitimately take out all these superpower beings in the Marvel Universe and in the same same vein Doreen and the other side of it you know S.H.I.E.L.D. coming to her and saying like you're our last hope like if you're the one if you can't like we are unequipped to understand how her mind works and how to how to dismantle her in this sense. It's like we need you because you the way you think and the way you think differently and the way you act as a hero and you are as a hero. We tried the Avengers and it obviously didn't work. It's mm-hmm. like we need that, that different perspective, that different way of thinking and seeing things to be able to solve this problem.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that's why that's why I, I love that. I just mm-hmm. I thought I thought you know I love Doreen. I think Aileen was actually a great character in this story. Yeah. And I thought her arc was very well done. Mm-hmm. And well, how did you
2: feel
0: about Aileen? Yeah, I, you know,
1: I mean, it's, it's again, it's kind of like an Ultron type story or, you know, anything where there's, you know, somebody, a hero tries to, too, to do too much to prevent things before they happen or, you mm-hmm. know, or like solve too much crap. Yeah, exactly. Um, or like a minority report situation, it's yeah. like, you know, preventing crime before it happens, like it's always going to go wrong. It's like, so, um, but, you know, seeing her, seeing like the squirrel part of her, like, and those motivations and those, like, and that kind of thinking take precedence like, was interesting to where it's like, it was not only a battle between, you know, the two of them. Like Doreen and Alien, was kind of a battle between which part of them they're priori- like they're prioritizing more. To where it's like Doreen, in the sense, is like I'm a squirrel girl, like I'm part squirrel, I'm part girl, but like you know, there is better value even if humans get things wrong in protecting them and helping make the system better. To where Alien is like, well, you know, I have I have loyalty to both, and I'm seeing squirrels get you know trampled upon and like disregarded. And it's like, I think they're being undervalued, and I'm going to fight for that side of things. And I think humans have had their chance, and they've botched it. So I think it was super interesting, because I, I didn't, you know, even if I thought that Alien was kind of crazy or being crazy, like I understood why she was doing what she was doing, even if I disagreed with what she was doing or why she was doing it.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's a line in the story that I made sure to write down. It's actually one of my favorite lines that I think sh- uh, highlights ryan north's writing mm-hmm. and in alien's motivation and uh, a is so funny and good <laughs> uh he says uh, this is alien talking to doreen alien says squirrels don't stockpile nuclear bombs <laughs> squirrels <laughs> don't engineer diseases and then uh doreen says okay yes true but neither do they paint Sistine chapels or write hamlets or compose rappers delights and i'm mm-hmm. like, like oh my gosh like it was brilliant. Like that is just so. I just thought that writing was brilliant. Number one because it's very. I think the tone of this book, mm. but also just like each of their motivations are clear. Yeah, and so I'm. i a huge. I just. I loved uh, Aliens arc, and I think that the way that she was going about, um, what she was doing, what I, the thing, the thing that makes the story work is that they spent so much time, so much time trying to make it like palatable and feasible that she could do this to the point where we, we back that 110%, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Like, I really like uh, Aileen, Aileen's arc for that, because mm-hmm. you t- you talk about a character with you know, frankly not, I don't want to say, like, too, she doesn't have much, like, integrity. It's like, yeah. when you think about who could actually be of the Marvel Universe, you're not thinking Squirrel Girl. Yeah. But <laughs> for all, every reason they gave us in this book to believe that she could take them all down, they made it work, and mm-hmm. then I think that kind of comes to the culmination of Doreen being able to pick up Mjolnir. Yeah, you know, and the story came out like pre Endgame, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I'm trying to think like, from an audience perspective, like you know, a lot of other people have picked up Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, yeah, and so it's, it's not a question of necessarily if they can it's whether or not they are worthy to yeah and so illustrating the difference between Doreen and Aileen the fact that Doreen is worthy because she's pure of heart able to lift up the hammer I'm like I back that I validate that mm-hmm. 100% they made it believable to me
2: yeah
0: and so I just I'm like wow it was just so well done
1: yeah yeah I think that's part of like the meta commentary of this story. Or like Squirrel Girl, maybe historically amongst readers, has been a character that people don't take seriously and people kind of laugh at. Where it's like, you know, them in this story, so like, no, like this is a real character. And like, there's value in us writing stories about her and you reading them. So like, you know, her being at the Marvel Universe and wielding Mjolnir, and that shouldn't make you upset. That should make you see like, hey, maybe we should take this character more seriously and see the value in her, the kind of stories that she has to offer. Um, so that's why I really like that moment, especially because, like, she didn't seek it out.
2: Like, right. you know,
1: and, I mean, you know, the hammer has, has been known to have a conscience of its own. Yeah. Like, you know, throughout time. So it's like, it's interesting to think about, like, well, you know, maybe the hammer, like, sought her out in that sense as well. To where it's like, you know, yeah, Tippy, Tippy, right? This tippy world. Joe, yeah. Yeah. Tippy's the one that sent the hammer that way. But, you know... The hammer is the one that saw the value in Doreen and said, like, no, you are worthy. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this responsibility to you as well to, to fix things. Like, to a reader, say, like, no, like, this is us telling you that this character is really important and mm-hmm. has a lot to value, and that you should maybe rethink the ways
0: that you've thought about them in the past. Yeah, I mean, and it also kind of gives this story a moral compass because. Mm-hmm. With you know, one of the, I guess one of the problems with this you know, Aileen and Doreen being making such good reasons on why they're doing what they're doing and feeling what they're doing, Mioleer um, being kind of the moral compass and literally who can wield it, um, gives us the idea. Okay, well, we know who is right, who who is more correct now because oh, Aileen doesn't value h- humanity and she prioritizes squirrels. Doreen accepts both, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was, uh, it, it, was it. It's a good. Reason and also we kind of live, especially in comic book continuity, we live in a time where um, it is oversaturated. Who can wield Mjolnir and not? It's like, oh, yeah, everyone can freaking do it. And so now we have a time where, we're like, okay, actually, I thought this was one of the few times where it actually really worked. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, I want to hype on that, and then you know <laughs> the next panel might be a free month, which is like, okay. Now that we have everyone together. <laughs> um, okay, uh, what did you think about the art in this book? Because I thought, yeah. when you think of artists who can do this, you know, or people's favorites, you think of, like, Jim Lee, or you think of, like, Alex Ross, or mm-hmm. I don't think any of them could have done this book justice the way that Erica Henderson did. So yeah. even even with the color palette, I thought, like, the two-dimensional colors were really great. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... It definitely felt true to the character. To where it's like even like looking at those first panels, I'm like this feels like a squirrel girl comic book. Even even knowing very little about the character, for like what I've seen from her on like T V shows and stuff like that. Um, like the art felt very specific to know like, they, like we're gonna tell the audience what kind of story this is for one, and what kind of character we're following. So the art it's kinda of quirky, it's a little bit fun, like it gives her like the squirrel teeth and it kind of like it's not really, like, traditional body styles that we see generally in comic books. Um, like, you know, Squirrel Girl has thighs. Yeah. And it's not, they don't shy away from that. And, like, characters have, you know, like, differing body styles, different body types. And it, it, it's, it, I think it's very positive because it makes those things kind of a lot more normal to where it's like, you know, Squirrel is not, like, a Wonder Woman, you know, or Black Widow-style character with, like, you know, the sleek curves and, like, this, like, physique that, like, is desirable, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, But, like, she is a regular person and she's quirky and she's unique unto herself. And I feel like the art reflects that. But I think it's also fun to see, like, other Marvel characters, like, in this art style to where it's, like, they still seem true to themselves. I feel like I'm thinking specifically, like, female Thor. Yeah, Like, Jane Foster Thor. Like, she looks like the Jane Foster Thor from the Jane Foster Thor run. yeah, yeah. And but she's in this book, and she's like kind of meshed with the art style, but it's mm-hmm. still they didn't change her how she looks from like what you've seen her in other things, at least to my knowledge. Yeah, no, yeah, um, really. yeah. And it's like, and it's same this is like for the other Avengers for the most part. Um, and it, and it felt I thought it was very fun to where it's like, no, like Squirrel doesn't Squirrel doesn't just look like this in this book. Like this is Squirrel Girl, like for Marvel, like for the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like that was really cool to see that, to where it's like, oh no, like we're not just drawing Squirrel Girl in this like authentic way this one time, and then she's like traditional, you know, comic book woman in the other books that we see her in, but this is Squirrel Girl as you should see her kind of thing, yeah, uh, which I really liked.
0: Yeah, and I think I think another costume that really worked, which kind of like I guess bridged the gap is Iron Man. Yeah, I thought his costume totally worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, oh man, especially because he has the two coach theme thing going on, anyways, and it's yeah. like. Yeah no oh it's 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 taking place in the Marvel universe but yeah. the art really set a tone mm-hmm. and that's uh, I I thought I don't think another art, artist could have pulled this off.
1: Yeah, I can't think of anybody.
0: Yeah, and so I I was like wow I just I, I really do applaud this team because I mm-hmm. think that this is one of the best runs in Marvel history personally like because Erica Henderson and Ryan North did like upwards of I want to say. 30 issues of mm-hmm. Squirrel Girl together on top of this. This was just a graphic novel released, you know, yeah. released the way we read it. So it wasn't like a six issue mini series. Okay. You know, so it was like they put this out. And I was like, it all works. And so it's one of those few teams where, you know, you just kind of get lightning in a bottle. And they really did make something so unique and it works. And mm-hmm. uh, this character g- gained a lot of integrity because of that. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,. Okay, I guess – all right. We're to my last couple of things, Jack. Dude, we're wrapping it up. No big deal. <laughs> it went real quick. I'm like, oh, it feels like we just started. Yeah. Uh, how did you – or what would you rate this book out of 10? Yeah, I think I would give it a solid
2: – I have
1: a mic. I'm so excited <laughs> to give it, give me, I give it a solid hit the mic.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I would give it probably like a solid 7 or 8 out of 10.
0: Yeah. It's great that you're the third person on this podcast to give somebody yeah. a seven. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're
1: great. I don't know if my standards are too high or too low. I really enjoyed it, and I would definitely read it again or yeah. recommend it to somebody. I'll give, I'll give it an eight out of
0: ten. I'm not trying to guilt trip you eight. or change you, but I I'm just no, a notoriously like high scorer, and like the way I think about it too is when I'm giving people books to share, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I I actually really I read this story a ten out of ten. Wow, like, I think it's a it, it, Really, I think it's a perfect story. Yeah. Um, and, and it's tone and everything else. And so that's my, and one of the biggest things within this is I want to give someone something to, like, share, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I love this story so much, I find it worthy of sharing, which is what you want, you Yeah, know? really, like, I think that's how you really kind of show it. it is a worthy story to be told, and so, yeah, no, absolutely, 10 out of 10.
1: Yeah, I feel like, because I, because I, my fiance, Hannah, she does not recall. Yeah. Like she likes the movies and she's really interested in them and like we watch these shows together, but like she has no interest in reading comic books. Except for Watchmen, which she loved Watchmen by the way, but that's yeah. like kind of the exception for everybody. <laughs> um But uh yeah, like I feel like this book is um unashamedly comic booky and like fun and like quirky and goofy, but it's also like it's just a really good story and like really good writing, especially like little devices it uses that make it completely accessible and fun for a non-comic book reader like i was reading her panels like especially about the like with the author like interjecting at the little footnotes at the bottom things that were cracking me up and she's like what are you laughing at like i'm laughing at this book like look at this panel like and look at what she says at the end here like this is hilarious um like i can't remember the exact panel but it was something about like her falling asleep by watching movies and stuff like that um as like her best trait or something." remember exactly the panel but but it's like just the author interjecting about their own life and like poking fun of themselves and like sharing something that like is completely relatable and universal and fun for a reader to experience and like i feel like any reader loves a good fourth wall break when it's done well yeah um and so i feel like that for that like aspect alone um i i rank it higher because it's not something that just a comic book reader could appeal to but somebody who just somebody who just loves a good story and loves reading something interesting and fun could really enjoy this, I think. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I obviously feel that times ten, and I I'm so I just love I really do love the story, and I just find the characters all of them so enjoyable. Like y- you can't tell me a friggin' Doreen Green, unbeatable squirrel girl, with her friends, freaking chipmunk hunk, Boy, boy. <laughs> 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 you know? <laughs> I'm like oh, you are talking squirrel tippy toe. I'm like, this shouldn't work, but they make it work so well. Yeah, which is like that's what I think that's why I applaud it so much. So, yeah, that's um that's my last question for you, Jack. Yeah, that's your last question for me. Before we go, actually, I am I am really bugging Jack and Hannah to try and get her on the podcast. <laughs> She's for gonna come on the first comic series. I have something for her that isn't Watchmen, and <laughs> I think I I really kind of have come to the opinion that if Watchmen is your favorite comic, you haven't read enough comics. <laughs> 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 I think true. It's a, it's, that's the same way I feel with the movie Forrest Gump. I don't want to isolate any viewers. I yeah. know your favorite movie is Forrest Gump You have yeah, to watch watched movie.
1: enough movies. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. like, I know it's a bad
1: movie, but yeah, yeah you, you, you
0: haven't have. watched enough though. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, going now into uh, plugs, Jack, you actually have one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, the Rec Center Podcast. Oh my! That's, that's all 110%. 100%. Um, what, will you tell our listeners about it and what, what it's about? And how yeah,
2: about
1: you? so uh, my fiancé and I, we recently got engaged, so... We are so happy for Jack. So give us money. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have a podcast where we recommend movies uh, or books or TV shows or podcasts or albums to each other. Uh, it's mostly movies and TV shows. But you know, there's a wild card there every once in a while. We recommend something else.
2: Um,
1: but it's things that each of us. Sometimes it's things that we've both seen. and We like kind of just like pitch it to each other as like why the other should watch it. Um, but usually it's something that the other hasn't seen, and we like pick something for them. And they're like, oh, we want you to watch this. And in recommending things to each other, we recommend things to you, the viewer, the listener, oh, yeah. not the viewer.
2: Um,
1: it's not a video. It's just a podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we only have, we have like four episodes out right now. We've kind of taken a hiatus, uh, because of coronavirus and we've been maxed out mentally. Uh, but we're actually going to start up again really soon, uh, with new episodes bi-weekly. Uh, so yeah, you can find us at the rec center pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we're on Spotify at the rec center podcast, Apple podcast, the rec center Podcasts. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I listen Rex on It is one of my favorite uh, favorite podcasts, and you actually provide so many great um, like recommendations. Frankly, like, and and I am I am one of the people who gets recommended too. You know, so or or it's like also that special thing where you know your your pop culture or your thing is validated by your other content, and so yeah. like Jack got me into Fleabag. Um, yeah, when quarantine everything started that was like one of the first things that was because of your podcast and i'm like oh if you'd be well rich, I'll, I'll try and get the hype and then now i get the hype and yeah going back to great fourth wall breaks uh that was something that happened to me or i received on you know oh my gosh you guys were talking about how good season two was season two was excellent so yeah. um this episode is sponsored by Fleabag. <laughs> <laughs> but like i just think it's it you guys do a really great job of just like and it could be anything that you recommend to one another like mm. hannah did one I, one of my favorite things i'm like uh, she's like, yeah, episode one. I recommend washing your face before you go to bed. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's so- <laughs> like, hey, that's actually really neat. Because-
1: Sometimes Hannah doesn't watch enough stuff, so she has to recommend <laughs> random things on the podcast, like-, like get like cheesecake recipes, which is fine. <laughs> she did.
0: The- she did the- <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. And so, um, yeah, no, it's a- it's a great podcast, and especially for who the kind of audience that I believe will listen to something like this. It's like if you're into content and if you're into culture, then. Go go check it out because it's really good. And my goal is to have Hannah on here to give her a comic, a different kind of first comic, mm. and I think she'll really like the one that we choose. So that'll happen hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, it's going to be
1: Watchmen again. <laughs> <laughs> Doomsday Clock.
0: Yeah, Doomsday Clock, and then before Watchmen.
1: And it's going to be fun for no one. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, I've read Doomsday Clock. Of what I read, it's really really bland i'm like jeff johns come on man and I love, I love i love i have a doomsday clock issue on my wall right now it's <laughs> one of my favorite covers ever but um yeah. yeah we'll get there one of these days uh well jack is there anywhere else the our audience can just find you
1: uh you can find me at lumberjack on instagram l-a-l-u-m-b-e-r-j-a-c-h i spell the name j-a-c-h by the way because my parents don't like me and they don't want me to succeed in life
0: they <laughs> Jack's actually like premiering on multiple podcasts and <laughs> his own. Yeah, he's and a fiance but he's not succeeding I'm not succeeding because nobody can find my name on the internet
1: uh, and uh, at Jack McEwen on Twitter uh, maybe you can link it link it in the description absolutely like, yeah, Much yeah. easier to find that yeah. I
0: will I will I'll try and link all of your stuff and then really for sure guys go check out the rec center podcast I am a listener it's really good stuff and they have a really fun dynamic so actually yeah we're, making, we're just roasting each other the whole time basically Hannah has a great voice for a podcast. <laughs> I mean, like, I like just. I mean, like, I don't know her well enough to be like. By the way, Hannah, you are great for your podcast voice, <laughs> but she does. So yep. I am a fan. I am a big. She listens fan. too much PR, I think. Oh my gosh, not that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that's not a bad thing. So, exactly. anyways, Jack, thank you so much for being on our podcast. This is definitely not be your last time. So well, I hope not. This is amazing. They this had me. Great. All right, well, Jack, thank you. Um. Also, wait. Um, I always forget to tell the viewers, guys. I have a, I have a my own Twitter page. <laughs> I'm like, Plug yourself. This is your podcast, Cameron. I always forget. Like, okay, Cameron reads comics on Instagram. I'm sure I'm the only one. Uh, go check that out. I got an eBay store with the same name. I got. Uh, I'm selling my own comics. Yeah.
1: He's writing his own comics and selling them. I'm not writing
0: my own comics. I'm <laughs> really writing other people's comics. On this one. No. And during the summaries, I just feel like I'm rewriting someone else's words. But <laughs> anyways, that's fine. Um, yeah, no. So Cameron reads comics on uh, on. Oh my gosh, Cameron's comics on what? What did you Instagram? say? <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Then of Cameron Miller, I think on Twitter. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. <laughs> Look out, I think it's Cowabunga Boy right now. So I'm Link it in the description. Cowabunga Boy, linked in the description. I have a blog, Um Yeah, I love comics so much. If you want to see what I'm up to, follow me all those places and then go or follow Jack before you follow me. Because <laughs> 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 no. that's the order that we recorded this. So <laughs> thank you, Jack. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. We will see you next time. Bye.